from having to live in deplorable living conditions to bouncing a check, this woman has become a successful woman entrepreneur of multiple businesses. So you're going to learn all as to how she got there, all the mistakes she made, and more in this episode coming right up. Need a judgment-free zone when it comes to your financial life? Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a bilingual podcast for today's Latina who typically thinks English but feels her Latina culture through and through. I am your host, Jen Hempel, and each week we have down-to-earth money conversations from people in La Comunidad Latina that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. Lista? Let's do it. Hola, Reina. Hi, Queen. How is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host. I hope your month is going well. You are going to love today's guest. And I know I tend to say that quite often, but seriously, the story this guest has will show you. It just really left me with my jaw dropped because it shows you how far she's come and is just so very inspiring. So let me tell you about Moni Jefferson. She is the owner of Dog Tags and Heels, a PR and social media agency where she works with national and celebrity clients to build brand evangelism and social impact. She's created and raised capital for three military lifestyle apps, and she's also co-founded Mill Spouse Creative, a global networking community for Mill Spouse entrepreneurs full of mentorship and resources. Her most recent venture, AMSE, which stands for Association of Military Spouse Entrepreneurs, connects mill spouse influencers and freelancers with organizations who want to make an impact with their products and services in the military community. She is a member of Lambda Theta Alpha Latin Sorority Incorporated and has a PR and communications degree from the University of North Carolina at Pembroke. In today's episode, you're going to learn what changed after living in a roach-infested place and realizing she was buying beer with quarters and pennies. You're also going to learn the lesson that came after bouncing her rent check, as well as the real reason she left Mary Kay after having a successful career with them, as well as her experience in owning nine properties. Yes, you heard me right. I said nine properties, what she learned, and what she's doing now. Lista? You ready? Vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Let's go meet this queen of her money. Bienvenida, Moni. How are you doing today? Hola, Jennifer. I'm so excited to be here. I'm doing good. Awesome, awesome. I'm excited to have you here, not only as a fellow Latina, but as a fellow military spouse and an Air Force spouse. You all did good choosing the branch. I know, girl. Go Air Force. Hi. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm excited to have you here, and I wanted to get started with getting to know you and your money story. So how did you grow up around money? What did you see and hear and experience? So let's start off with that. Oh gosh. Um, so I definitely don't come from money. Um, my family is middle class. My dad was in the army. He was a, a staff sergeant. 
And my mom worked middle-class jobs. I don't even know exactly like what she did. There is no um, permanent type of, I guess you would say a career choice. I mean, I know she worked at a couple of plants and things like that, but I specifically, as a child growing up, I knew we needed money to buy things and that we had to save. So in my family, you only got things, you know, for Easter and for Easter, we would get things like, I don't know, socks and underwears and like little things like that. And then for Christmas and your birthday, those are the days that you really received gifts. So that's kind of my money story. That's how I understood money to be that you, you work, you come home, it helps take care of the roof over your head, the food you eat, and any uh, anything extra other than necessity you had to save for it or wait for a holiday. Okay. And did your parents have any sort of money conversations or did they sit you down and have quote unquote the money talk or their version of the money talk? Or oh, so what did that look like for you? Uh, do, do you think money grows on trees? <laughs> no. Um, growing up, I didn't really have a lot of conversations about money. I don't think it was until I went to purchase my first car that I really understood interest and money to put down, what's going to be loaned, what's going to be financed. I mean, my mom would give me like a little growing up, you know, in school, they give you like the little checkbook thing and you learn to write down the money that come in, the money that goes out. So yeah, but the conversations around things like investments and escrow and really kind of scary big words that I talk about every day now were not really talked about in my house growing up. It was just like save and spend, you know, just the basics. Just the basics. Awesome. And then, so growing up, that's what you heard. Save, uh, you need to work to get that money. And so what happened when you became an adult and now you're married and have kids? So take us a little bit as to what happened and to how you grew up in terms of those themes that came up that you need to work to get money so you can save and so you can spend that money. How did that translate as when you became an adult, maybe met your husband, those type of things? So I met Roy in high school and we got married right away right out of high school. And we had a little apartment in Fayetteville, North Carolina in the worst neighborhood. I rent was $175 a month. Wow. Um, yeah. We lived with roaches and every day we'd go outside and there'd be drugs on our porch. And at night there would be gunshots around the apartment and it just wasn't a really great neighborhood. And that's when I started to realize like, wait, we need more money to live in a better place. So it started to click to me that we have to start earning more money. And I think at the time I had just graduated high school, I was an assistant manager at a bagel store and Roy was working at Valley Mercedes there in Fayetteville as a porter and cleaning cars. And we were just really just living penny to penny. Actually, we used to fill up our gas tank with quarters and pennies and buy beer with quarters and pennies, which is crazy. After we'd pay our rent, we'd have still no money left over after, you know, food and different things that we know we needed to have. And so I started to understand that in order to live in better in a better place and not be scared at night, that I needed to start making more money. 
And so what did that mean? That meant education. That meant joining the military. So Roy joined the military about a year after we moved out um, on our own um, and lived there on Davis Street, actually, in Fayetteville, in that little apartment. It was really scary. We had some crazy, scary nights. But he went into the military because we realized we weren't going to, we were barely making it from week to week. And my parents, you know, they tried to help out as much, but you're trying to do your own thing. And we don't come from wealthy families, you know, and we come from hardworking families. So we believe in a lot of work ethics. So we don't believe in borrowing money. We don't believe in really a lot of, uh, what is it called? Like pawning things. Like we really just believe in working extra hours and working for what you have and then using that to survive. So Roy went into the military because we knew we needed to do something. And we both are, my both of our dads were in the army. So we knew that we would have an ID card. So that would take care of our medical. And we knew we would have a paycheck on the first and the 15th, no matter what. So Roy joined the Air Force and we moved to Florida shortly after he joined and we moved to Florida. We got a little a little condo in Florida, which was great. And it was like, I think it was like $560 a month, which was a lot of money for an E too. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I am a big thinker. <laughs> yes, you are. And we'll see why in a little bit. <laughs> we have all this money coming in, babe. Like we can totally get this little condo here next to the water and whatever. And a couple weeks or months went by and it got something in the mail saying that I had bounced a check. And I was like, what the heck is this? What does a bounced a check mean? Um, Because I never had those conversations at home. And so I had to call the bank and I was like, no, but I have, it says I have $400 in the bank. What do you mean this check is not covered at the time? That's what I had. Right. And just so naive and innocent. I had the balance when I wrote the check, but I didn't realize that it didn't clear right away. Right. So I had my first bounce checked. I remember I was like, so devastated. I was like, Roy's going to kill me. We have no money now. (laughs) Like we have a negative balance, you know? So it was a lot of growing pains and, um, you know, we, we did downsize (laughs) after that one year of uh, living in that beautiful condo um, to a townhouse a little further into the city. But but yeah, I just, it is an eye opener as I feel like I would have been well-versed or more prepared if I would have had those, if I would have talked about those things beforehand. Right. And so your husband joined the Air Force out of it was necessity, but also out of realizing that you all needed to generate more income to uh, live in a better place, in a safer place, in a nicer place. So tell us what happened next. I really want to dig into you becoming an entrepreneur. In fact, you've become the successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses. So how did that come to be? You mentioned you are a big thinker, but what drove you Oh, what made you so driven to become an entrepreneur? So a lot of it stemmed from the idea that I had to rely on other people for my financial wealth and uh, generational wealth and financial future. And that I had to play by other people's rules. I'm not a big, uh, 
I don't really play by the rules very well. I like to disrupt the space and I like to push boundaries and I like to think really big. But when uh, Roy was in the Air Force and we had our first daughter, we purchased our first home there in Florida. And I wanted to do something for myself. So I started, one of the first things I did that was uh, entrepreneur-like was selling Mary Kay. And I did it well. I had a free car. I had wow, a, yeah, that takes a while. I mean, for other people that I've seen, it takes yeah. a while. I've had I had forty people underneath me. I was a direct. I mean, I did very well, but then I had my daughter, and there were certain financial requirements that you have to make when you have a free car, and I couldn't make them because I just had a baby, and I didn't feel like working. Yeah, and, um, they have, right, but you still have to f- fulfill a financial obligation. So I just, one day I was like, I don't like people being able to control me like this. And I just called him one day and I said, come get your car. The keys are on top of the windshield. And, but that was my first taste of being an entrepreneur, which is, you know, going out, generating revenue, knowing how much revenue you want to generate to help support your family. And then going out there and getting it and checkmarking each person that purchases a product or the money lines, the the revenue that you generate. So uh, that was kind of a little bit of a taste. And then we sold our home in uh, Florida. And the next thing we did, because Roy was getting out to do a ROTC program, which is an ROTC program to go back and commissioned because he knew he wanted to make a life, you know, a 20 years of this. Mm -hmm. um, So we sold our home and we made a really great, a great amount of money. And, um, so, girl, I was like, me, that bet out there. Wait, we got all this money. What are we doing? What are we buying? Where are we going? And Roy was like, we're going to invest it. And I was like, what is this invest you're talking about? You know, like, I was like, what is invest? Because his mom and dad raised him investing. That's all mm-hmm. they did. And I didn't know what investment meant at the moment. I knew that we invested in our home that we purchased you know, with our VA loan. And I understood that, but I didn't realize what he was saying. And so we ended up taking all that money and we purchased eight houses, nine houses within a year. And yeah, so we purchased nine houses. And the goal was that we were just going to be property managers while Roy finished his master's degree there in Fayetteville. And we would just be landlords. And that was the first, very first taste of like a thousand percent entrepreneurship, like running it, systems, you know, the the negatives, the positives, um, creating uh, ads and Facebook and like all these things at one time. So that was my real, the first real taste I had of it. And it was hard. Yeah, not, that's a lot of work because when you, We've been homeowners and we've rented it out. And just, of course, being that we're military and we weren't close to those homes, we would hire a property manager to manage those properties, but still takes a ton of work. And even from our part, we had to be involved at some point. They would take care of it. So I can't imagine you all doing that with nine properties because that's a lot. It's the dealing with the tenants is the, Mm -hmm. if something breaks, it's all those things. And you have to manage your money well, because you have to, you can't just rely on 
the rent unless the rent is so much that you can put away. And this is what I've seen, and I'm not a real estate investor. So, but what I'm see that people do is that, let's say they, especially in, in the military, the people, and I've made, we've made this mistake myself. So I'm speaking from experience. We buy the, the home, we end up moving, we rent it out. We're able to cover the mortgage, but that's it. Yeah. Or and that's not a little bit like $2 left over if something. Oh, right. And so you have to get smart and make sure that money is either is left over or you have to put money aside from somewhere to, but really essentially from what you're getting in rent, that would be the better thing to put money aside for when things go wrong, right? Because yeah, they, they will with the house, you're going to re- have to replace and do maintenance and all those good things. I agree. And it was a huge learning experience. We had some months where all tenants would pay, some months half would pay. Sometimes, you know, people were late, you know, things would break down and you'd have to get people to come out and do plumbing and electrical and pipes and carpet when people would move out, like all this overhead that we didn't think about. But we, because we invested the money into the property, the money that we received, we were able to pay down a lot of it, which was great. But then also have enough left over to have a savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what we did was we got really smart and just started buying the uh, the renter's insurance. Mm-hmm. So it would start covering a lot of that. So it's a lot of, you know, you learn as you go and you grow. And it was a lot of stress. Um, there were a lot of hard times at that time, a lot of hard times, because if people don't pay rent, you make no money. Right. You know, and once again, you're at the mercy of somebody else to pay you. So at the time, Roy was getting a stipend and he was getting something from the military, but it wasn't enough to cover everything. So we worked on the property and then Roy would do his entire day at school with ROTC, come home for like an hour or two and he'd hit the road and deliver pizza at Papa John's till Mm -hmm. 12 or one o'clock in the morning and get up and do it again the next day. You have to do what you got to do, right? Absolutely. We all made it work. And do you still have those properties to this day? We do not. We sold them. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Um, And now we just purchase homes every time we move. Okay. And then do you sell them afterwards or what? Okay. So, you know, a lot of times, and even you find a lot of this in the military space that people don't want to spend the money because they're scared they can't sell the house. But if you do a lot of the research and you buy in prime areas, selling the house is not a big problem. So sometimes you have to spend a little bit more so that you can sell it when you leave. And so that's what we've done. We've been very blessed and made some great investments in houses that we're able to sell right when we leave. Oh, that's awesome. I know I've had the. Well, and we might not have done the best research uh, with the houses, but we've had uh, experiences twice where we've bought a home. We left because, of course, that's typical. They move us. Then we rented it. There was one. This was in Arizona. Uh, We rented it, and then the market just soared. And we had a tenant, so we didn't want to kick them out. So we waited till their lease was up. And we're like, well, we're not greedy if property prices rose four times what they purchased them. If it comes down some, it's all good. (laughs) It's still something. But of course, and then not of course, but what happened with us is when we were able to put it on the market, the market crashed. 
Uh, so we were unfortunate. And then the second time we bought a house and we moved and we had a tenant and then we were like, let's just go ahead and sell it. That was what, 2008 <laughs> to the, that time frame, 2010 or whatever, when the market crashed. So we were unfortunate with, so therefore for us, just because of those experiences, because we would come out of pocket because at this, both times we came out of pocket to be able to pay rent mm-hmm. and a mortgage. So those, those were tough times. Fortunately, oh, yeah. we had emergency savings and that type of stuff, but it just ate it up. So for us, that's our experience. So that's great that you've been able to do that. I just wanted to show the other side that again, it's just happened to be when the market crashed yeah. like in Arizona, that was not a whole nationwide thing. But when we were in, in Wichita, Kansas, which is a, a place where market was always stable, mm-hmm. like, always stable in terms of real estate. And then we're like, okay, we feel comfortable buying here. And then oh man, that's <laughs> nationwide. Yeah. So it just, you know, again, it depends on your circumstances. And I think that's fantastic that you've been able to do that. Now, so you created, let's talk about, you sold the properties, you decided, well, we're just going to buy a house where we live and then sell it. So tell me about your, the business side in you, because you have, as I mentioned earlier, you have managed to create multiple uh, successful businesses. So tell us what drove you to do that, like multiple. (laughs) Uh, Passion, I tell you, it wasn't, it's crazy because I think about it, writing it down or you know, when I sit down and do my taxes or any conversation when people ask me what I do, I'm like, I do so many different things. So what drove me was the lack of support from military spouses to build businesses that did not include going to the base and applying for their government jobs and came out of frustration, annoyance, and and a, a fight or flight mode, right? Like at some point, as a military spouse, you are living this life that you can't decide where you're living. You don't decide what your husband does, what his hours are, et cetera, et cetera. What you can control is your future, right? Mm-hmm. Your own future and not allow that th- those circumstances to affect you. So what drove me was I wanted something for myself. I always have something, you know, it's the military, my spouse, my kids. I have a degree. And public relations and communications. I have started multiple groups. I've done all of these great things, but I didn't have anything for me. It was always for somebody else. And I noticed a lack of self-esteem and self-worth. And so I just started a blog. And after the blog, things just kind of took off. And I started working with my first social media and public relations clients in 2015. And that's what drove me. And then just being in this very niche space and seeing certain things that are not being offered in our space, you find something that's not being done or you find a need and you fill it. You yes. do it your way and you do it the best way that you can. And so that's how, that's what's driven me. The passion to, to kind of build something for myself, some, my own legacy, not just the legacy that I'm helping my husband build his career in the military, but my own and my self-worth and my financial future. And I also want to be able to contribute to the family in financial ways. You know, I know that I contribute as a mother, take the kids, I take care of them, make sure the house is up and running. 
but I wanted to do more and I knew I could. And so that's what drives me. And that's what you're doing. And I love that. Now, and I applaud you for that because a lot of times we, especially as moms and sometimes as military spouses, we feel this guilt because our spouses t- you know, tend to be deployed or gone or just working really long work days. So doing something for us feels like it's out of the question. But I love that you've taken that time to do that because I think, and I see it in my kids as well, but I think it serves such a good example for your kids of seeing dad <laughs> doing his things in their Air Force, in the military, a mom also being able to do despite the circumstances, despite having to do it. Some, sometimes we have to do it all, right? Mm-hmm. And being successful. So I definitely applaud you uh, because that is definitely inspiring uh, and just setting an example for other military spouses who maybe want are considering entrepreneurship and maybe they think it's not possible, but mm-hmm. you, you are showing that it is. People like us are definitely showing that it is possible. Absolutely, Miha. I was going to say you too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So entrepreneurship is not always roses, right? Sometimes it gets tough. So as a business owner, uh, it's it's a roller coaster ride. So when the roller coaster is like diving all the way down, what do you do when the times gets tough to keep yourself going? Well, emotionally. Oh gosh. Well, I will say my husband is the biggest supporter of me and he encourages me every single day. He sees the hard work I put into this. So when things are tough, one of the things I always do is I take time to shut everything off, devices, uh, the outside noise, because sometimes the outside noise can really distract you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I dive back into my family. So, you know, just the encouragement from my husband, self-reflection, figuring out ways to do things better when things are tough in your business. Like, why is this hard right now? What things do I need to change? What space do I need to leave? What people do I need to let go? Mm. Who do I need to surround myself with? Like different adjustments into your life or your business, because sometimes business seeps over into your personal and personal seeps over into your business. I love that. Making sure that you're well-balanced, I think, helps too. Right, right, right. No, I love that because it's important sometimes just to completely disconnect and, you know, take care of you is what you need to do, uh, especially when the times gets tough. This has been fantastic, Moni. Now, I wanted to wrap it up with what I call the Cheesman Express, which is gossip in a positive and fun way. Because gossip in English, I still say, sounds so negative. No, but, <laughs> but in Espanol, Cheesman, we ch- estamos chismeando bastante, but not in a negative way. Well, sometimes some people do. I don't yeah, think. But we don't. Like, I think it's just fun. It is. It is. So. One thing we I haven't heard you say is I know you're a Latina. I've heard you speak Spanish. Uh, what is your Latino heritage? I'm Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. Boricua. Boricua. Uh, what is your favorite dish? Um, oh, my gosh. Why are you doing this to me? Um, arroz con pollo guisado. Oh, love it. And what would you say is the best part about being a military spouse? Oh, wow. The ability to touch and be a part of so many different people's lives. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful journey. 
Love it. And some one thing that I didn't mention that I love that you're doing, especially we had mentioned the challenges as military spouses and the lack of support, which is changing, is that you are a part of that change. And so I applaud you for that. So oh, gracias, mija. Thank you. Love it. Now, so we talked about your favorite dish, your Latino heritage, the best part about being the military spouse. How about I'm curious about the favorite type of music you listen to? Hopefully you do listen to music. Honestly. <laughs> what? No, no, you, no, I do. I listen to music all day long. Like oh. I am Latina. Hello. That's what I was saying. I'm like, what did I? <laughs> so I really, and this is crazy, but I really like trap music or reggaeton. Like those are my things. Like that's like my go-to music. Love it. I haven't heard trap music in so long. <laughs> but reggaeton. Uh, I, I love reggaeton. I love it. I put it on in the car and my kids are like, what? <laughs> I'm like, listen, get your whole life. Get on this. I know. I know. And what is the best word that describes you? Oh, gosh. I would say audaciously loud. Like those are two words, but just audacious. Everything you think of is like so extra. Or maybe extra is the word. I can see that. I can, I mean, and I can see that just from your presence online and just having a meeting you and being with you in person. I can, I can definitely see that. I love it. Love it. Well, Moni, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you being here and for everything that you shared with us and just for the example you're setting, not just for Latinas, but for military spouses and women in general. Oh, gracias. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice. And when I do podcasts, it always the questions you ask are really great. It's an opportunity for self-reflection. So thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. All right. It's time for the truth. Your jaw probably dropped down as much as mine did, right? It was so good chatting with Moni and she had so many great stories as well as how far she's come, which is so inspiring, as I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode. You can connect with Moni. She's got a Facebook page over at Moni Jefferson Brands. I will also link that up in today's show notes so you don't have to be writing everything down. So definitely connect with her because she's super inspiring. She's got a lot of energy. As you could tell, she's I'm not afraid to speak her truth, to tell it how it is. I absolutely love her personality. Now, one thing I didn't get to ask her because the theme of this month is just about creative ways of saving, or if you do no spend challenges, really it's about thinking outside the box of when it comes to saving. So I asked her, what is something that she is doing that she's most proud of where she's saving money, whether creatively, thinking out of the box, whatever it is. And her response was that she's cut back on eating out multiple times a week and buying smarter for groceries. So notice that didn't involve a no spend challenge. That wasn't any crazy or creative way of saving. It was just, it's just simple. It's what worked for her. And I think I wanted to point this out because sometimes we, for some people, it's good to have those creative challenges, but for other people, it doesn't work. Or so you have to do the real lesson in this when saving, you want to do something that works for you. And for Moni, in this case, cutting back 
on eating out multiple times per week has worked for her in saving money. So I wanted to make sure that I highlight that because sometimes we expect, oh, we're going to find a new strategy or a new way to find to really save money. Saving money, the way to do it is right in front of us, right? Sometimes we just don't, uh, we don't see it because of everything that's going on in our brain, the overwhelm, the stress that you're putting on yourself to save, the stress that you put on yourself to do everything right. Uh, so just keep it simple and just remember, it doesn't have to be extravagant, anything fancy, just do what works for you. Now let's go on to the reina of the week. This week is Tamika, and she shared in the Facebook group. I wanted to highlight her because she completed exercise training for mixed fit, and she absolutely love it. And besides finishing the training and loving everything that she's doing, she landed her a teaching job at a local boutique gym. And the really the win is that with the money that she's making, not only is she covering her dues for Zumba in MixFit, which apparently she also teaches Zumba, but she has an amount left over. So yes, that's profit. <laughs> the win is definitely the money that she has left over, like extra money is profit. But the bigger win I thought was that she shared that before she didn't look at that as anything big deal and she wasn't giving it a job. So therefore it went disappeared. And now she's realizing that extra money can go somewhere and she needs to put it to work. Or as she says, she's giving her money a job. So I love that. If you want to nominate someone who you feel should be recognized, submit your nomination to jenhemphill.com forward slash reign of the week. Remember, it can be anybody. If she is not listening to this podcast, by all means, nominate her. No biggie. I just want to recognize anyone and everyone who is making progress. It's about really celebrating your wins. And it's, some, it's nice to be recognized. And that could give you that push that you need to keep going. Now, as far as the pregunta of the week, remember each week we're asking a new question. And today's question is, what did Moni do after bouncing the rent check for that nice condo they lived in? What did she do? So, of course, she answers that in today's episode. And by answering today's question, you get the opportunity to unlock a bonus freebie after answering the four questions for this month's theme. All you need to do is uh, you need a free account in the Her Dinero Matters Hub. If you already have your free account, you can simply log into it by going to herdineromattershub.com. And if you don't have free account, I've got your back. You can simply go to jenhemphill.com forward slash win, and you can sign up from there. This month's freebie is a checklist to use when planning uh, your no spend challenge. That was something that we spoke about in last week's episode. So if you really love no spend challenges, this is a handy checklist when planning your next no spend challenge. So again, you just answer all the four questions for this month's theme, and it will automatically unlock this month's freebie. That is a wrap for today. I want to thank Moni for joining us, for sharing all that she shared, because she shared so much good stuff. 
You can check out the show notes on where to find Moni over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 191. Also, don't forget, if you love this episode or this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you share it with a friend, family member, coworker, or even a stranger. Nunca se sabe, you never know when someone is in pain in their financial life. And just the sheer sharing of this podcast or this episode may be the push or inspiration they need to move forward. Until then, stay consistent on those money actions and habits so you can not only be the reina of your money, but love your dinero more. You've got this, tú puedes. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. I'll talk to you next Thursday. Ciao.